Hi, welcome to On The Daily, a podcast about finding the acoustic you. I'm your host, Danielle McCleary. I am a serial optimist and a champion of people who has long been on a search to truly see people and help you peel back all of your layers and become the most acoustic, authentic, and best version of yourself. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dive in. Welcome back to On The Daily. It's your host, Danielle. This episode today is with a good friend of mine who I met through happenstance. Her name is Addison Darrow. She is transgender female who has such an amazing story of just such honesty and truth. And it just comes from a place of love. And, you know, in this conversation, we talk a lot about just the journey that she has been on and we kind of talk about maybe some of the misnomers about the transgender community or the misunderstandings. And I think what I really love about this episode is that we really kind of just get down to the fact that humans are humans. And if every human gets to be who they truly are and at their, you know, who they are at their essence, then that raises positive vibration amongst the masses. And if everybody is living in their truth on this planet imagine like how much more beautiful the world would be. It's kind of crazy to think about actually, because I think it would be close to like what we would think of as a utopia. You know, if if everybody is living in their truth, then it is a beautiful, more beautiful place. And um, I think that there are a lot of heavy misunderstandings about the transgender community and what it means to be transgender. And so we, we talk about it we talk about you know, the the differences between gender and sexuality and the similarities between gender and sexuality and kind of just all these different spectrums and, you know, everybody under the rainbow flag, as we say, like the LGBTIA plus community. And just, I think this episode just does a really good job of, you know, if you are a person who maybe understands some of the LGBTQIA plus spectrum, but not all of it, this is a good episode for you because we I, I know I can speak for myself as a member of the rainbow community, if you will. I think there are some people in this community who expect everybody else to just understand, um, and it's their job to do their research, but I kind of fall under a different category of, I want people to ask questions, and if there's things that you don't know that maybe you are you don't understand or you want to know more about... I'm an open book and I also just really believe in leading with love. And this conversation with Addison was just that. It was just a conversation about love and a conversation about just, you know, as as she calls it, gender euphoria. Uh, so I really hope that you enjoy this episode and uh, maybe learn a few things and share it with somebody who might benefit from hearing it. If you are just joining the podcast, welcome to On The Daily. Welcome to the On The Daily family. All of our episodes are, you know, out of sequential order. So you can pick one that resonates with you. You can jump in. All I know is I am so freaking happy that you're here. I love doing this podcast. I'm having so much fun with it. Our whole team is having so much fun with it. And I just know that, you know, we've been able to positively impact quite a few lives at this point. So I hope, my hope is that we get to keep doing that and helping you out there, wherever you are, to become the most authentic and acoustic version of yourself. So welcome to the On The Daily family. And with that, I give you Addison Darrow. Y'all, two words, almond cow. 
If you haven't heard of it, where have you been? It's all over Instagram. It is the at-home nut milk maker that literally you press a button, easy cleanup. It takes two minutes and you have your own homemade nut milk. You can literally put any nut you want in there. It will just blend it right up. And there's no added ingredients, obviously, because you make it yourself. We are obsessed with ours. We use it every single day. And if you want one, you can use my code. There's an affiliate link in our show notes, or you can go to Almond Cow's website and then use Danielle15 at checkout. That's Danielle15. Enjoy. Before we get into this interview, though, I have to tell you about my new favorite CBD company. Their name is Equilibria. They are women-owned. They are POC owned and they are just dope freaking humans. These girls are changing the game in my opinion for what CBD is and can be. When you order from them, you get a dosing specialist, somebody to help you learn about CBD and it's all hemp CBD so you're not going to get high. There's no there's no hallucin like hallucinatory THC, nothing like that in it. It is all just for wellness. And when you meet with a dosing specialist, they teach you what you should be using CBD for, when you should be taking it, how much you should be taking. And then you can also get your questions answered. So if you do have any reservations around taking CBD, maybe you have other medications you're on or other illnesses and you want to know if you know it's going to mix well. They will answer all of your questions. They have nurses, they have geniuses, scientists, all the things working with them. And so I have really been loving getting to know them. Their product is amazing. Their product packaging is so beautiful. If you do want to check them out, go to Equilibria's website. Use my code Danielle on the daily at checkout. You will get 15% off your order. And tell me what you think because I'm obsessed. Hi, everybody. Happy Tuesday, or of course, whenever you're hearing this. Hi, Addison. Welcome. Hi. Thank you. How are you, honey? I'm so much better now. I'm so oh my good. Gosh, it's so good to see your face. I'm, I've been looking forward to this interview all week. So it's just good to connect and how crazy that we just have this, this platform. We're on the other side of the country and we're just staring at each other. It's great. Well, thank you for creating the platform, <laughs> using using the platform in the ways that you are using it. Oh, well, I appreciate you saying that. So I start every episode with a clearing. So that's anything. And this comes from like, I worked for Lululemon for a long time. I'm a Lululemon ambassador. So this comes from that. And it's basically anything that could keep you from being present, anything that's weighing on your mind, anything that you just want to get out into the open and clear before we jump into the interview, this is the space to do it. So I will let you lead um, if there's anything you need to clear and it's like, if you don't have anything to clear, then that's fine too. But just a space in case you do. Um, yeah. For for me, just being kind of getting into the middle of Pride Month and and talking with you about Pride things and talking with kind of everybody in my immediate circle about Pride type things, rainbow type things, etc. I'm personally feeling more trepidation around Pride this year and more, I don't want to say there is definitely outright negativity, um, but I don't think that that's anything that the rainbow community is terribly surprised by. Um, we've experienced that for our entire existence in history, but there's just, there's a lot, there's a lot of deficit narratives being told um, this year. There's a lot of focus on 
the negative. Um, and like I said, it's giving people, I think, more trepidation than ever to celebrate pride in their own way. And that's what's kind of been weighing on my mind um, recently, where tomorrow is the anniversary of the uh, Pulse shooting in Orlando. Um, and these things need our attention. These, these, you know, the violence that continues to happen, the violence that's happened in the past, the legislation that's happening all across the country right now, that's anti LGBTQIA plus, it needs our attention. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily healthy if giving it our attention takes pride away from the people that pride is for. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I guess it's a, it's kind of just another bit of a springboard to encourage allies, um, to do the actual work and really physically get involved. But that's, that's kind of what I want to clear out is that like just approaching everything with an effort to give space where space is due, um, but not lose ourselves to things that we've already given our emotional time to. You know, yeah, I love that. I actually was having a conversation, and just to clarify for everybody listening, we obviously recorded this a couple weeks before the episode aired, so the pulse shooting was now a couple weeks ago. But that—that's the typical thing. Thank you for that. We we pre-record, so there's. If you thought we were recording live, I'm sorry, I just ruined (laughs) that for everyone out there. (laughs) Nope it it makes much more sense. Oh no, not you! I'm saying I don't know the people listening out here. That oh, just the illusion! Like the illusion is gone. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that. I was talking to Breezy uh, about that, uh, my fiance, and she she said the same thing. She says, you know, there's just a lot. It seems like there's a lot of negativity going on, and I don't want to take away from the fact that you know, we, we get to still celebrate who we are this month. Like it's a, it's a juxtaposition for sure. So I love that you brought light to that. And of course, we're definitely going more into that, um, in the next 45 minutes or so. Um, I will clear that I am at the like tail end of a very busy season. And for so long, I've been the person where when I'm at the end of a busy season, I get almost really anxious because I go, okay, what's next? What's next? So I'm I'm in this space these days of fighting what's next, what's next, and kind of just allowing myself to breathe and be exactly where I'm at and being okay with space. Because in the past, I'm a person, if I have too much space in my life, I do nothing. I'm the most unproductive person where if my schedule is jam-packed, like today, for example, my schedule is jam-packed. I'm going to be productive AF. And I'm just trying to kind of rewire my brain a little bit into being okay with the pauses. So that's what I'm clearing is that I am I am happy for this moment that we are in and just getting to just be here with you and spend some time together. So um, I want you to share your story if you would like to do that. I think just so you know, there's probably a mix of people who listen to this podcast. There's a lot of people that absolutely understand the LGBTQIA plus community and our allies are part of the community. Of course, there's a lot of those. There's also a lot of people who listen to this podcast that I would bet actually have no idea what it means to be trans, what it means to be in the trans community, what you've gone through to become a proud member of the trans community. And 
I, my goal with this podcast is to help people to understand other humans better and to understand themselves better, right? From a, from a not like, I, I, I think that so often, polit- whether it be politics, religion, like whatever it is, it gets so in the middle of just the fact that we are human beings with stories to tell, love to share, and a way that we got to be who we are today. So I would love for you to share your story and you can start as far back as you need to. Um, but who is, who is Addison? Oh, gosh, uh, Addison is, <laughs> she's just a girl. She's just a girl next door. Um, to a certain extent, that's really true. And, you know, it's interesting. I've been, so I've been out um, publicly as trans as Addison for I think it was February of 2018 is when I started coming out to people publicly um including my family I mean it was I hadn't told anybody prior to that now prior to that for about a year year and a half I was out as gender queer and gender fluid and I realized I'm working in reverse order um it's a little simpler, I think, for my chronology, just because it's going to reach a point I know where it stops and I no longer remember things, but I'll kind of explain that when I get there. Um, but yeah, for before I came out as trans, I was out publicly as genderqueer and gender fluid. And that was, for a while, kind of where I thought I was going to land, so to speak. And it came out of a very long history of experimenting with gender presentation, gender expression. I didn't know what those terms were in high school or in middle school when this really started. Um, I certainly didn't know about gender identity. I didn't know about, I had heard the word transgender. Um, The first time that I ever looked it up was, I want to say I was about maybe 11 or 12 years old. Um, I was in junior high and I was a band kid, um, and we went on a band trip um, to... I was a theater kid. Yeah. Oh, come on. I mean, <laughs> the best kids. Um, <laughs> and then there were also chorus kids who were only chorus kids. And I was always like, ugh. Because and it was the only reason it was because jocks would join the chorus because it was like the easiest thing they could do. It was like the lowest commitment, which is unfortunate. It's not how it should be. But they would join right. the chorus so they could go on the band trip at the yes. end of the year. And that was a whole thing. People from Verona High School know what I'm talking about. Um, but... Shut up, Verona. <laughs> it's like the Wait, tiniest... where did you grow up? I grew up in Verona, New Jersey. Um, it's, okay. it's a teeny tiny little super white, super Italian-American Catholic suburb um, about 25-ish minutes from Manhattan. Um, so really close to a lot of diversity, not very diverse though. (laughs) Um, got it. We'll say that. Um, yeah. Anyway, when I was, uh, at that point, um, yeah, like I said, like 11 or 12, we went on this band trip and it was to a, to a theme park, I think to a six flags and we went to get henna tattoos. Um, cause that's what you do. And I had been drawing this this symbol that I now have a real life tattoo of, um, which is a circle. And then the, you know, it extends both into the, uh, male symbol and the female symbol. Um, but it shares one circle. I had been drawing that on my little like composition notebooks 
for a good year or two at that point. And I decided to get a tattoo, a henna tattoo of it when I was, you know, 11 or 12. I don't think there were very many chaperones for this trip. I got that, that henna tattoo on like my actual lower hip as a child, (laughs) you know, live bold. And anyway, it was at that point that I first remember at least looking up what the word transgender meant. And, you know, I got a, a definition of it, a very textbook definition. Um, and I remember reading it and thinking, oh, okay, that's not me, but sure. Okay. And I, and I, I had that conscious thought of, oh, well, that kind of makes sense to me, but which I should have stopped right there. Cause I think if you're 11 and you read a definition of the word transgender and it makes sense to you, maybe explore that, but I didn't, mm-hmm. <laughs> I just read it, said it made sense and moved on with my life and just continued to live my life explaining to people that I was very connected with both my masculine and feminine sides and so on and so forth. And I had my own ways of explaining it that evolved, you know, throughout the years. And they were always as true an answer as I could give. Um, I was never, I never felt at least like I was trying to hide that um, part of me until later years, um, kind of towards the end of my college career. And after that, I ended up, uh, you know, working in a pretty masculine driven environment, which is the hospitality industry. And uh, especially actually the bar that I was at for the longest in the early part of my career was even more so, you know, we we had regulars that were parts of motor clubs and it was blue collar and it was, you know, it was great. These are some of the greatest people I've ever met in my life. This is not a judgment of their morals or their ethics or their politics or their character or anything at all. But it is a masculine-driven environment, and it's a heteronormative environment. And because I didn't have any reason to not kind of invest myself into that world, meaning I didn't have the knowledge of who I was yet, I did. And I kind of went all in. Um, and I became one of those male-identifying people. And it was very masculine, and it was very assertive, very <laughs> different from who I am now. Um and when you that were was, in that part of your life, sorry, when you were in the part of your life, did you ever have moments where you were like, this doesn't feel like me? Or were you kind of in that season of life where you're just like, this is just life. This is who I am. This is what it is. And kind of just rolling with the punches at that point. Uh, the only times that I, in that period of my life where I would get inklings that something was, was really wrong was, uh, it was when I would actually return home um, you know, to my mom's place. And I do that thing where I think that I think a lot of people do, um, when you reach certain ages, like every time you get the opportunity, you look back at photographs or old keepsakes and things like that. And you kind of just take different walks down different lanes of memory. And I was doing that. And I found that, uh, you know, I still had a bunch of my old accessories and, and costume pieces and stuff that I used to wear to midnight showings of Rocky Horror when I was in high school, which was a big mm. part of my understanding and, and early parts of my awakenings of different gender expressions. Um, totally. And I remember, and now again, maybe I'm like probably 23, 24 um, years old. And I remember trying a bunch of this stuff on just for fun to see how it made me feel. I had no, no hesitations about trying it on. I tried it on. And at that time I was, I was a gym rat. I was a lifter. I weighed 210 pounds at my heaviest. 
And all of this stuff looked what I thought was like laughably bad on me. It was the first time that I had dressed up in that kind of clothing and not felt better about myself afterwards. Because throughout high school, that was exactly what it was for. It was the outlet. You know, I expressed myself a decent amount for a really, really white heteronormative public high school. But on the weekends, when we went to Rocky Horror, it was all bets off. And like I said, I always felt really great doing it. And I felt sexier doing it. And I felt at home in my own body doing it. And when I had reached that point of kind of hyper-masculinity, and then I still tried to get to that place of what I would now call gender euphoria, I wasn't able to reach it anymore. And that's when I started Mm -hmm. to think about like, is this kind of boyish, mannish shell really what I'm supposed to be working with? Um, Right. You're like, wait a minute. Like ears pop up. You're like, (laughs) yeah. Something that was so joyful in my life now resonated with feelings of shame and, and disapproval for myself. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that. They didn't line up anymore. Um, Mm. But I didn't know what to do about it. And, uh, you know, I I continued on, um, but it's a lot of what drove me out of Philly um, to to leave and go to Nashville in the first place was that I did technically fit into a community there. I had my my people from the bar. I had my friends. I had my chosen family. It was great. I didn't feel ostracized. I just didn't feel like I ever actually fit in. I think they all were super welcoming and let me into their world and their community. And that was really nice. <laughs> but after years of it, I realized that it wasn't ever actually home. Um, and so that's kind of why I ran away to Nashville. Um, mm-hmm. And the first three years in Nashville were a continuation of that process. Um, yeah, That's what started to lead into like, okay, well, what can I do to find this balance? I do still like my masculine side at this point. You know, I like working out. I, you know, all that. And I also know now that I need to at least give some space to this feminine part of me, um, letting her out on the weekends, whatever it may be. Yeah. And that's what led to coming out as gender fluid, gender queer. And then it <laughs> was pretty quick after that. I, you know, I say like a year, year and a half, and it felt like it went by in a week of I'm gender fluid. No, never mind. All the what all the way. Let's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, like, let's just call it let's just yeah. really just go for it yeah and it was and it was great um but, you know it, it allowed me to have a lot of really unique experiences from different perspectives um because for a lot mm-hmm. of the time that I was out as gender fluid and gender queer I did almost create another you know version of myself um because mm-hmm. I was still working in hospitality um I was managing um like a fine dining high volume cocktail bar I had to wear a suit every single day. I had to control crowds. I was an authority figure. And the only thing that I knew, only way that I knew how to do that was to rely on my masculinity. Um, But because I was doing it so much, if I would get a rare night out, I would completely transform or at least try to. And it was so drastic that it became kind of another person. I gave her a name and everything. And it allowed me to to live life um, as a woman. And eventually, over that year, year and a half, I realized that all of those times, even though they were coming sometimes a week or two apart, that I was living life as a woman in these isolated, you know, incidents, all of those moments, I was still happier than any other time. Mm. And again, after a year of that, 
it kind of just made sense. Um, and the boy part started to feel like a costume and the boy part started to feel gross. And it felt like this, I came full circle. Mm. Um, and then so some, beautiful. yeah, I know I was bouncing around. Life is not linear. Um, <laughs> timelines are True. not linear. Um, and, and just to, to call back to something I said earlier, before that, you know, before junior high, and even through a lot of that time in my life, memories to me are both very lucid and very vague. Um, mm. And what I mean by that is the experiences um, and uh, environments, people, places, things, all of that, I can remember extremely clearly, but I do not always feel like I experienced them. Oh, interesting. In a way that I kind of have memories that don't belong to me. Um, oh. So it's it's been just kind of a journey to, you know, figure out which memories I really do own and which memories died with the old me, which is yeah. completely okay. But it is a... <laughs> It's also, it's a, yeah, it's, a it's journey. also like an interesting thing to think about because you go, well, clearly, I mean, clearly she was in you the whole time. And it's like, it's almost like you just, when those memories maybe that you don't remember were more of like a movie, you know, it's just so, it's so interesting how our mind will try to protect us from things that are not real, you know? It's and, really true. Yeah. Like things yeah. that weren't real were like, you know, your brain kind of has you forgetting about them because the real you is, you know, who is sitting here now. Well, and that that analogy that or, or metaphor that that really resonates with me um, it, at the risk of is there is there like a TMI filter on on this podcast? No. <laughs> Great. I didn't no really TMI. think so. Um, I, I wrote a, a short piece um, about the last time that I had sex while I identified as a man. Oh, wow. Because it is one of the things that I remember extremely clearly. But like you said, as a movie, mm. um, it is it is, you know, I <laughs> I quite literally do not know what it felt like because people have asked me that question. And I, I think it's a valid curiosity, um, but I, do, I, gen, I just genuinely don't. What I remember is, you know, where it happened, obviously who it was with, like all of these things. But but it 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 plays back in my head like I'm watching a movie, like of, you were a actor. very small screen, yeah, of a movie, and I'm not there, um, which I think is a way of protecting ourselves for for trans folks or people that experience gender dysphoria in general. Is yeah. um, there's very literal ways of doing that, which is things like uh, getting rid of or uh, you know hiding pictures, old photographs, obviously things like dead names. Um, but then there's, there's the, there's the other psychological way of kind of protecting oneself. And that is to look back on memories and just actively kind of censor your own face. It's just not you. Um, that's so wild. It's really, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really interesting. Um, but that's, that's, that, that's why that metaphor resonates so clearly is because it, i I have genuinely thought of it like a movie that I've just seen a lot. Yeah. Do you feel like you looking back, do you feel like, you know, cause I do want to talk about there's, you know, there's things that when we get this, I mean, Breeze and I get, have this in, you know, the, the lesbian or, you know, the pansexual community as well. It's this, there are questions to ask 
And then there are questions to not ask. <laughs> and, and I don't blame anybody for asking wrong questions because if you're not in it, you know, it's not your reality, then you wouldn't know. Right. Um, do you feel like looking back on your life now, there were times like maybe when you were, you know, working in a bar and it was a very like heteronormative masculine environment. Like, do you feel like there were the, there were moments where you maybe could have explored or was it more of just, it was just this journey that you look back on and it had to come out the way it did and it had to evolve the way it did. Or do you ever look back and go, Oh, that, mm, yep. That explained that moment explained a lot looking back. It kind of like the idea of, 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 of an event or a thing that happened or a trauma that might've kind of silenced yeah. the growth. Yeah. Or like a circumstance you found you're in or like, uh, like found yourself in or like a situation that you found yourself in. I, I, Cause I, and the only reason I'm asking that is like, I look back on moments when I was in high school. Cause I married a man. I got divorced from a man. I had a baby with a man. I dated a couple women, but not seriously. And I've always been pansexual. But if you would have asked me that in high school, I'd have been like, no, of course I'm not. Like I'm, I'm straight. Of course I'm straight. And I didn't grow up in like a super like conservative place. Like I grew up in LA, like I grew up in a pretty diverse place, but it was just not on my brain. But now I look back and I go, Oh, well, yes, that explains a lot. That moment really did really, really should have listened to that one a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, I, there are, there are so many, honestly, there, um, a lot of it came, you know, through through high school when I was starting to um, really explore the, you know, boundaries of, of gender expression. And I didn't do a ton of self-censoring back then. And that's a completely different conversation, but there's multiple reasons as to why. And I think the main one is that we don't know how we're, how scary the world can be for, totally. you know, people who identify certain ways um, until we're older. And so it was at least in my mind, less of a risk to, mm -hmm. you know, behave the way and present the way that I was doing. So in high school, than it was when I'm 32 years old, it's it's a strange aspect of the journey, um, to kind of yeah. assess the greater risk of existing. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah, there were there were a lot of opportunities, I think, you know, throughout high school, when I was, you know, I was also in theater, I was I had a support system um, of people who were just ready to be there kind of no matter what. And I didn't, I think I didn't rely on them heavily enough. I'm not entirely sure still where that comes from besides the fact that I'm a Capricorn. Um, oh, you love a list. Love a list. I just, yeah, I'm a doer and I, it's, and I will do it if I feel like I can do it alone. And it's not about not asking for help in a way if I don't think I need it, except totally. I don't think I need it. So, <laughs> but, you know. Oh, right. One uh, of my yeah. best friends is a, one of my best friends actually the episode last week, like before your episode, she's a Capricorn. Kelly Balch is a Capricorn. Fabulous. And yeah. she always says, I don't need anyone. Like I can do it myself when really like you actually need people a lot. <laughs> you really do. And especially in, you know, formative and transformative years, but I didn't, I didn't really rely on them. I always, I relied on feeling like an outcast. And I think a lot of people who go through any sort of trauma, um, you know, emotional, psychological trauma, or a lot of people who also, you know, live with mental illnesses, we do that. We find comfort in the discomfort. And yeah. it's a coping that mechanism. becomes our own. Yeah. And that becomes the community is like the community of 
being alone yeah. and kind of sad. Um, and that's where I lived a lot of my high mm. school and even into my college years. What did start to happen in my college years was exploration of gender roles and gender expression through intimacy. Oh, yeah. Um, which was really important and uh, definitely something to, to kind of go back to what your initial question was that I should have listened to more or that I would have liked to have listened to more. I won't say should because we're here. We're doing great. Right, we're here but now. Right. That was a that was a realm while I couldn't necessarily explore gender diversity and gender expression in my presentational life so much. Um, because I had started to create this masculine shell in my intimate situations. And I used to be a serial monogamist. Like, mm. I did not like to be single for any oh. period of time. Yeah. Um, I, I had a, a couple of very long... serial monogamist over yes. here. Yes, yes. Um, and I had two. a couple of very long invested relationships um, within that. But even when those would end, I was, I was very quick to go and, and find somebody else. Um, find mm. another relationship. And in those, those relationships that there was a lot of trust, um, it's, that's where I started to explore some of, you know, different, different ways of approaching sexuality and intimacy that definitely had ties to gender and gender identity. And again, I didn't really know it at the time and I didn't give it enough pause. Totally. I kind of just accepted that, oh, okay, maybe I have some slightly different, you know, wants or desires or what have you, I'm not super vanilla, but I didn't let it go into this realm of this could be a different person. When in reality, like you said, I have always been here. <laughs> it was a different person really wanting to come out. And I was just really determined to not give myself, give her more space than I had to. Yeah, you Capricorn. Yeah, yeah, basically. Like, no, this is the path we are on, and if I de if I deter from this path, then everything's gonna fall to shit. Like that's yep. that's your brain, right? That's it. Um, I want to ask the question too because I think one of the main the main confusion amongst the masses with transgender is the the role, like the the difference and similarities between gender and sexuality. Mm -hmm. Dun dun dun. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about it. Because everybody assumes, of course, I'm sure, and correct me if I'm wrong, were you ever just, did people ever just consider, just assume that you were gay? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All, all, all the time, which is funny because I never did. <laughs> and this is, right. I mean, with this, when I say it's funny, it's actually not. It's kind of terrifying. But part of that, part of the reason that that narrative is so, can be so damaging is because it's not that it's never true, um, because there are individuals who, you know, identify maybe in their present life as cis gay individuals who explored gender expression in different ways and gender mm -hmm. identity in their youth. And even that terminology is we don't even have a comfortable place to live because people still, I'm struggling right now to not call it a phase, not call it I experimented with because those things oh, invalidate yeah. it. Right. Um, so really even that, point. um, yeah, we need yeah, to it was figure just, out. A, it was just a chapter, like instead yeah, of saying it was a chapter, a phase, yeah, like, we need to figure a out a way to talk book, about like, it. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. A scene in the movie. I mean, it's, these things are real. Give them the, the space that lets them be valid and then move on yeah. if you, if you move on and that's fine. But yeah, so I very much was kind of 
assumed to just be a gay boy, a really, really effeminate gay boy for years, all the way through high school, including by my parents. And I, to my friends, and a funny story about this, I thought to my mom, um, I came out as bi when I was like 13 years old. The reason I say that I thought I came out to my mom as bi is (laughs) I'm, I'm trusting her memory on this. When I initially told her of this, Apparently, the words I used were, I like boys, and didn't say anything else. (laughs) Mm. Mm. Yes. And, you know, was already getting into the Rocky Horror scene, was already hanging rainbow flags above my bed. What else was she going to think? It's super valid. (laughs) You know, it made the concept of me having girlfriends all through high school very confusing. But here we are. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of assumption just that I was a very effeminate gay boy, which kind of made the, you know, identifying as bisexual, it it led to some challenges there because I didn't always have the way to explain that part of the reason that I love women comes from this place of loving their womanhood, not just loving who they are and what they look like, but loving womanhood as a whole. Um, and yeah. it's, it's really only something that I've very recently had language to express. And I think that's what it is. It is the idea of, of womanhood that connects all female and femme identifying persons in the entire world. And it's not something, sorry, boys, it's not something that exists in the masculine world. It just isn't. It's really not. And it, it really, sh- I mean, that's, that's like a huge, we talk about that in our home all the time, that that's something that really does need to be talked about because it's very damaging, I think, to young boys who maybe do have like feelings of like being the other, you know, like what if we didn't have to make anybody feel like the other? Exactly. And what if we, you know, what if we taught that, that manhood, <laughs> that masculinity is not something that you need to defend? is not Mm -hmm. something that you need to assert over anybody, including Mm -hmm. other men. Mm -hmm. And if we taught that, uh, yeah, it kind of imagine the possibilities because that's where all of it comes from. It all comes from this idea that they have to protect and defend something that nobody's attacking. And it's strange. Um, So when I, when I, they can't, and it's not, not to say dis- that you can't be a masculine male who, you know, identifies themselves as the protector of their family and the, you know, that's not to say that that can't happen. It's just sure. to say that that's not the only way to be a man in this world. Correct. Correct. Yes, it can it can inform and support certain roles. You know, when that when it's helpful and when it's productive and when it's safe. And I would say the same thing for womanhood. I would say the same thing for non-binary folks. Um for sure. But that um, you know, in, in, in going back to this idea of being bisexual and knowing so solidly that I was bisexual, cause I was like, I definitely really think boys are cute and want to roll around with them, but also everything uh, that is woman <laughs> over here. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, and that's that I, from a young age, that's how I understood my attraction to women. And that has never changed. Um, and mm-hmm. I love that about my attraction to women and, I think that's also interesting, and this, again, sexuality and gender are different. My gender identity, yes, it changed twice now. Um, (laughs) My sexuality, in essence, has not really changed. It has evolved. Mm -hmm. I still identify as bisexual. I also identify as pansexual. But it's, it's, it's evolved. But what's interesting is 
like I said, my attraction to, to women is still rooted in the same place, in the same foundation. My attraction right. to men is completely different. There is still just a very kind of surface level, not that that's a bad thing, but a surface level desire for intimacy with male identifying mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's a different layer of it now. There's even the type of men that I found attractive switched um, oh, and, and shifted. How so? Um, I used to be very, very attracted to more feminine presenting guys um, or androgynous presenting guys. I, I mean, I grew up with, you know, all of my girlfriends were crushing over Orlando Bloom and Johnny Depp. And oh, yeah. Same. I was like, yeah, I'm there with you for all of that. Yep. And please wear more guy liner. Like that like was a more big eyeliner. Yeah. All the eyeliner, please. Yeah. Um, and Jack of course, Sparrow me any day, sir. Any day, any day. And then I, and I associated the more kind of typical masculine shape appearance with the people who were not nice to me in high school, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the yeah. people who bullied me. Um, so there was no attraction there. Somewhere along the lines, when I, it was probably about, I don't know, six or eight months into taking estrogen when I was, you know, in the earlier stages of my hormone therapy. And I was out one day and I realized that I was wildly attractive to um, a, a, an appearance of a man that I like to call a lumber snack. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. They're probably wearing flannel. They've got like a beard, but it's trimmed. It's not out of control. Have um, they showered today? Probably not. Debatable. I'm here for it either way. Yeah. Um, and he and I ended up striking up a conversation. We were just sitting next to one another at the bar. And he was very friendly and nothing came of it. But at the end of our experience, uh, he was getting up to leave and his glass ended up quite close to me on the bar. And so as he passed me and was like, oh, it's nice to meet you. Have a great rest of your day. He stopped and he reached around me. So his arm was essentially all the way around me and picked up his glass and took like the last swig of whatever was in his glass and just solidly placed it back down on the bar and then walked out. And for reasons that I don't really need a justification for, I was not able to get up out of my bar stool for the next like 15 minutes. I was shook and I have never at that point had never been attracted to men that present like that men that present a pretty hyper masculine heteronormative thing. But it turns out that that's a big part of what I want. (laughs) Um, I think that's so interesting, Addison, because it's like you have become like the most like a more authentic and like, you know, honest, what I call the acoustic version of yourself and then that's going to open up so many more doors of opportunity as to like what is attractive to you, what you, you know, what you want, you know, who you want. And I just think that's a really awesome evolution. I, it just, it just hit me. And I'm, I apologize if this is uh, <laughs> like really obvious, but the, this idea of the acoustic self, I love and it just registered to me, if one can live acoustically, so to speak, we might be able to actually hear more parts of ourselves. Because yes. that is what an acoustic set <laughs> or an acoustic instrument would allow you to do is hear the quiet parts that you don't always hear or hear the, you know, the baseline that you don't notice and can't sing along to, but you'll notice if it goes away. 
And I think at the end of the day, a big part of why I share my story in the way that I do and just kind of try to share my day to day and seemingly big and seemingly small parts of my existence is because for all of the struggles uh, that trans individuals in the trans community um, are faced with and for the attacks on our community um, and so on and so forth, I, I do genuinely believe that trans people get to experience things um, that cisgender people will never experience and could never experience. And it's not about haves and haves not and have nots, quite the opposite. What I really want to try to be able to do is convey what that experience is to people who, who can't have it and maybe open up an opportunity to live a little more acoustically, to hear things. You know, I don't know that if I hadn't gone through what I had gone through, you know, if in that moment I would have realized not only do I find this singular person attractive in this moment, but that moment was a gateway to reshape my entire understanding of my attraction to male identifying people. And it was 30 seconds long. And that to me is an incredible opportunity. And I'm still in the baby stages of learning how to be open to those possibilities and to those, those, those moments um, that we can just kind of glom onto and, I think that that's, again, that's, that's part of why I try to make what I have gone through, what I continue to go through, specifically as a trans person from a trans perspective, why I try to make it relatable. Because while I'm convinced it's something that other people can't experience, I'm not convinced it's not relatable. Because 100%. sometimes I have these conversations, quite often I have these conversations with folks about anything, and the response is, oh, I've been there. I felt that. I'm like, I know you have. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know. That's awesome. Like, let's talk yeah. about the different ways in which we felt it. Let's talk about the different ways in which we experienced it, the commonalities and the and the differences. And all of a sudden, we are now more connected as human beings. And it can also yeah. take 30 seconds. So, yes. you know, you and I are a perfect example. <laughs> like, we yeah. met in an isolated incident that you know, yes, okay, things aligned to have us in that same place at the same time. Sure. But not everybody, I think, operates with an openness to allow those moments to happen and allow those relationships to develop, even if they are just brief, even if they are for a weekend or a night or 30 seconds or whatever it may be. Um, And that's not to pat ourselves on the back. That's not what I'm doing. But I think it just comes naturally when you inherently, when one inherently lives against the grain of the rest of the world in some way, which everybody under the rainbow can attest to. Every person of color can attest to. It's (laughs) every differently abled person can attest to. I mean, it's, you know. Yeah, you've gone through something in your life at least once where you've had to be the other and find a way to fit in. And that is something like, I may not know your struggle as to like what it means to be a transgender, like beautiful, gorgeous woman that you are today. I may not understand what that was like for you to get to where you are today, but I do understand the idea that you had to go through many years of discovering and rediscovering and figuring out who you were to be able to get to this like acoustic version of yourself. And that is something that we can relate on all day long. Cause 
I too have had those experiences. And, and everyone has had those experiences, regardless if you're in the LGBTQIA plus community or not. I mean, even if you are a cisgendered, like hetero human being on this planet, you still know the feeling of feeling like you do not belong in some way. And we can all come to this like beautiful, that's where unity, that's where like, I think that's where like the core of unity and the core of love truly exists is this idea. And I talk about this on this podcast a lot of radical empathy. I don't know what you've been through, but I can say that I love and I'm here and I feel you, you know, I want to know what do you think is, cause I, I want to, I want to ask you two, well, a couple more questions, but first what is your favorite part about the transgender community? Everyone's so... F- Can I cuss? Yes, please. Everyone is so fucking pretty. Yeah. Everyone's so fucking gorgeous. I swear. It's ridiculous. Everyone needs to calm down, but please don't. Yeah. Uh, I was actually thinking about this kind of pre, you know, getting into this recording session. Um, because, you know, because it's Pride Month, the word community gets thrown around a lot. Yes. And that's fine. Community is extremely important. It's extremely valuable, but it gets thrown a lot around a lot by people who are not parts of those communities. And mm-hmm. I think that there's a lot of misconceptions, misunderstandings, just incorrect perceptions about what the communities of each individual letter of the alphabet mafia actually looks like. And if you're in the LGBT community in general, if you identify with the L, then you must know about all the other letters. And like, that's a whole other thing. Well, and and you have to have like, you have to be an encyclopedia. You have to have resources for other L's. You have to, I mean, it becomes this, 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 this burden, this like tasking that nobody signed up for. Um, And to this day, because of, rainbow capitalism and um, the really disproportionate representation in media, the only letter that that's really applicable to is cis gay men and yeah. cis gay white men at that. And the reason I say that is because if you ask on average any given person, like, what's your perception of the gay community? What does that mean when we say gay community? They'll say things like, oh, butch lesbians, you know, or yeah, the gayborhood, wherever they live or gay bars or West Hollywood, California. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, that's great. Who are all of those things for though? (laughs) You know, it's not called the rainbow hood. It's not called, they're not called queer bars. They're called gay bars and they're for cis gay men. And we, we see this with the literal disappearance of lesbian bars that's happening in the nation right now, which is like really depressing. Please go follow the lesbian bar project. It's a real thing. Um, It is a real thing. So true. Yeah. And it needs a lot of attention because lesbian bars are dying out and it sucks. Oh, well, my favorite is that everybody just assumes that everybody in the queer community, you know, is loves rainbow everything all the time. I'm like, hmm. yeah, I wear black 98.9% yeah. of the time, y'all. Like, and that does and not change. Yeah. And it's great it's if you do. It's just that it always comes from a place that is not for us. Oh, yeah. And so it ends up feeling really inauthentic. And then there's there's that kind of the gatekeeping that happens within the community, yeah. um, so on and so forth. But yeah, my favorite part of the trans community is everyone's so beautiful. And to circle all the way back to that, I was thinking about the emphasis that I personally put on my physical appearance on a day-to-day level. 
And it really and truly is for me. And this is another concept that I think a lot of times cis people don't necessarily have the easiest time grasping that, Mm -hmm. well, in some way it's gotta be because, you know, you want attention, which is not to, to demonize that. Everybody wants attention. That's great. But I really and truly mean that my primary focus of my physical appearance, my expression is for me. And I think that there's something unique about that within the trans community, which is that, you know, the trans community is not like the cis white gay male community. We don't have bars we can just go to. We don't have centers in most cities that we can go to or resources or anything like that. So I would say a vast majority of it exists online, which is fabulous. That's great. I have so many incredible siblings throughout the trans and non-binary community around the world that I never would have met if it weren't for social media. And at this point now, I've met some of them in real life too, which is like incredible. Oh, that's cool. Like people yeah, that you yeah. met online the follow that you through, had yeah. with? Oh yeah, that's yep. awesome. It's, inc- it's, it's truly remarkable. Um, and I feel incredibly fortunate. But when I first started exploring the trans community online and in social media, you know, you're you're first faced with a ton of, I mean, these are straight up models, people like Nikita Dragon and Eden the Doll, and then even getting into more of a celebrity kind of tier, um, you know, Gigi Gorgeous, and obviously yeah. Laverne Cox and Carmen Carrera and Trace. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, there's so much beautiful, gorgeous, wonderful representation, diverse representation in the trans community that is not actually that difficult to find. Pay attention, anyone who makes media. Um, but a lot of it's, again, kind of like Hollywood glamour beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's it's like you they're, like you know that they are absolutely getting all of the fillers and all of the stuff done to like look that way. And that's that's beautiful. It's great. It's their truth. It's great. But it's... And- it's not There's accessible to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what ended up happening though was that's that's where it started. And then it, again, kind of, you know, worked working through the online, the social media trans community, was introduced to more and more normal people, more and more girls like myself that are just living their lives. And some of them have huge online presences because they've been sharing their story for a certain amount of time or what have you. A lot of them are again, just like me, we're just like girls trying to figure this out. Yeah. Thank goodness for those big online presences because they've acted as pioneers for anybody that is out there searching for answers, you know? So of course that's amazing. Oh, exactly. It just shows that there's Hollywood, Hollywood glamour, the Hollywood glamour side of things exists in every single facet of life, right? Like I even think about the lesbian community, like all the L word girls, like we aren't all like that. Like we're not looking for Dinah Shore every weekend, y'all. Like I go to bed at 830. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's. Yeah, it's very romanticized. And, um, and that's what Hollywood does. And again, that's fine. The again, the the difference, I think for, and I do not speak for the whole trans community, I speak only from my experience. Um, But I so I still so I get so much from girls like, you know, Eden the doll and Nikita and Gigi and these, because regardless of how they've achieved their gender euphoria, I know that it's about their gender euphoria mm. and that's mm-hmm. the thing. And our country has such a, a stigma against plastic surgery, against cosmetic surgery, against everything that has to do with making oneself feel more beautiful about oneself. Yeah. And I'm not saying the world needs plastic surgery, but 
the world needs to let people who get plastic surgery make up their own minds about it and have their own reasons to do it. I am somebody that, you know, in, in my first foray into this thing we call life, I never would have considered something like plastic surgery or surgery of any kind. And now a pretty decent chunk of my existence is tied to a surgical procedure um, mm -hmm. very, very closely. So even that aspect of it. Um, and that is something that technically falls under plastic surgery. Isn't that wild? It's all that these things. Yeah. And it's, and it, and it gets the same stigmas, even though it's life-saving and life-affirming, it gets treated in a lot of the same ways. Breast augmentation, you know, for, for trans girls is still very often criticized, not just from the people that, you know, say, oh, you're beautiful. Like, just let your body grow naturally, not just from them. But from the male community, from the chaser, we call them chaser community, these are men that want trans women, but only to appear in the way that those men want them to appear. It's this really, really toxic idea of control yeah, um, and, and controlling how somebody looks through kind of affirming them at the same time. And it, and it takes away individuality, it takes away integrity, it takes away choice. It, it's terrible. Um, but there's yeah. a lot of those voices that say, don't get the breast augmentation, don't even get bottom surgery, you know, so on and so forth. And I'm like, but you have literally no idea why I'm doing these things. Right. And it's none of your business. Like if and it's I none of your business in the first place, something like this is yeah. for me to make my life more affirming for myself. Yeah. And if I am pulsing at a higher frequency because I am happier with who I am, then the world is a happier fucking place. That's all it is. That's it's it's one one less really, really sad dysphoric trans person. And the world could use more right. of us because it's tough. And you know, yeah. um so I think that's that's what that comes back to when I say everybody's so beautiful is there are so many different expressions of beauty in the trans community. But the bottom line is that as a trans person I know looking at those other people and all those beautiful expressions of, of appearance that they're so authentic that there's no yeah. chance that that when that person says I am beautiful in that moment, they mean it. They feel it with every fiber of their be being that is gender euphoria. And it's not something that cis people experience on the same level. It's definitely something that cis people can experience, but it's a completely yeah. different kind of experience. And so. I look at Gigi Gorgeous and I say, yes, absolutely. I want to look like Gigi Gorgeous in a lot of ways. The reasons that I want to look like her are not because I think if I look like her, I'll get what she has or anything related to that. It's not about uh, obtaining a partner. You know, I think her marriage is gorgeous and wonderful, and we should all be so lucky to have anything even close to that. But that's not what it's about for me. It's about yeah, achieving a higher level of gender euphoria. And yeah. that's a big part of the reason why, you know, we, we say, you know, your, your transition never stops. You know, right. you're never done transitioning. And that's fine. That's great. It just means that you can keep getting happier quite literally you can keep yeah. loving yourself more and in more ways and more different ways and what an opportunity so yeah. the the diversity of beauty in the trans community is 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 literally my favorite thing i love that and then what do you think the the number one most 
misunderstood thing about the trans community is currently? I don't know if it's the most widely misunderstood, but I think it's the most important one to correct. Uh, and that is this concept that we are somehow inherently a threat. Mm, that part. Anything <laughs> or anyone. Right. I don't I like more of a threat than a cis person, basically, because we're trans. Uh, it, I, I know where the narrative comes from. I don't know how it's still a thing in 2021. I don't know how we're still making laws based on that perception, you know, and that's why another thing we're, we're seeing a lot of very recently is, you know, it's not transphobia. You're just an asshole. There's a lot of truth to that. Absolutely. But there is still real transphobia. Agreed. There are people who who make their decisions daily, personally, politically, based on an actual fear, however ridiculous and unjustified it may be, but an actual fear that trans people are more of a threat because of our transness than cis people. Well, and and it is it, hurting it people. Down to this idea that you don't know what you don't understand. And there's so many people out there still that I find they don't know anything about the trans community, nor are they willing to figure it out and ask questions? And it's like, if you would just ask questions, I'm sure you would find that they're, you know, no one's coming for you, you know, like, right. These are and that's just human beings trying yeah. to become the best version of themselves. And that is something that is really, really beautiful. And mm -hmm. everybody should do it. Everyone and everyone could benefit from it and could always you know, I don't know anybody who doesn't need another voice saying, like, who you are is valid and who you right. are is enough. The right. entire world needs to hear that all of the time. So right. why not open yourself to a community that thrives off of that very base concept, you know? And, right. and, and I think a lot of the, there's a ton of that foundation of fear that comes from cis women. Um, right. And while there's a ton of it, I have also found that cis women are some of the, they, they sometimes take the least educating and um, talking with to reach a, a common level of understanding. And again, that goes back to womanhood. It's because we've all experienced the same things. And when cis women tell me their real fear that, a trans person is going to harass their child in a public bathroom, I say, okay, the fear of predators in the world, valid. How you have aligned this with a trans person is not valid because it's only aligned with men. So all you, at the end of the day, all you got to convince people of is trans women are women and trans men are men. Yes. It sounds so basic, but if we get past that hurdle, if trans women are women, then they are not the same kind of threat to you that men are. Right. <laughs> so, right. so there's no reason to protect your 10-year-old in the public restroom. Also, what happened to you in public restrooms? Like, right. I say this as somebody who, I don't mean to trivialize it, I personally have been harassed. I have been physically threatened in public restrooms before. But it's because I was trans. Right. It wasn't because right. I had a kid with me. Right. And it wasn't by a trans person. Right. It was just by a male predator. And so it's this, right. that's why I say, I, I don't know that it's the most widely held misconception or misunderstanding about the trans community, but I think it's the one that, that really needs the most attention. Because I think it's the one that if we follow it 
And if more politicians and lawmakers continue to follow that narrative, it will do the most damage long term. Right. It's not like by validating the trans community as trans men and trans women, you are like all of a sudden saying that like, you know, it's we're saying it's okay to harass people in public bathrooms and we're going to start like, you know, turning all your sons into girl. Like it's that's not what's happening here. It's really not the intention. No, no, it's not. And that would be exhausting if we tried to even do something like that. And we're already really tired. It's just not. It's just not the goal. And, and you know, the last thing I'll say about it is that part of the reason that I think it's so dangerous is because if you look at the, the history of the acceptance um, and lack thereof of the trans community and of, of the entire rainbow community, we've gotten to a point in 2021 where trans people can, oftentimes with a lot more difficulty than cis people, but can hold jobs and have families and get married and live public lives and be movie stars and politicians and everything. And that's great. But what never died was the fear that never actually died off. And the people that really hold that as part of their fundamental truth. Yeah. Why that's so scary is because now the trans community actually does have some power. (laughs) It doesn't make us more powerful than our oppressors, but the trans community has some presence and it has some power which is going to antagonize the people that held those fears. So now they're not just trying to keep a community quiet. They're trying to exterminate a community. Right. And I think it comes down to, too, I think we got to stop. You know, it's not even so much about who's in power. I think it's we got to start collectively looking at it as how many more voices can we bring to the table? Right. Yes. It's not like having trans people in positions of like, political power or whatever it is, that doesn't mean that they are more powerful. It does not mean that the LGBTQIA plus community is seeking to become more powerful. Mm -mm. It's just how many voices can we have at this table that can all contribute to the greater conversation? Right. And it's also nobody in the, I I think if you're, if you're, if you're a member of an underrepresented or underrepresented or underserved community in this country, you are just not, you know, you're not under the impression that we can literally reshape the political profile of this nation and put into those positions only people from underrepresented communities. Because if we could do that, then we wouldn't be underrepresented. Right. We, We do have to still rely on certain aspects, certain members of this cishet white male patriarchy. It's unfortunate, but if we can rely on them enough, use them as, as, as our, our, you know, as our belay rope, as our guides and as our leads to get to the top, then that's what we have to do. Um, So yeah, like you said, it's not this, the LGBTQIA plus community is not launching a a war (laughs) on the straits. Um, However, many times we may have, I, you know, we may have fantasized about it, but we're not, we're not doing that. We're just, we're really just trying to like go to the bathroom <laughs> yeah, for everybody out there. Yeah. For, for everybody out there listening, your girls, Danielle and Addison, we're tired and we're not trying to go to war with anyone. We just like, like I literally just want to be able to go to a bathroom and not get yelled at about it. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually like a very real foundation of this conversation. And that's sad to me. Yeah. That's sad. <laughs> it's just, there's so many bigger fish to fry and like that's that's the conversation. Yep. Okay. I want to ask you one more question and then we're going to play a game. What 
does pride mean to you? I love this question so much. Also, like full tea, I haven't answered it yet this year. I try to answer it every year, at least once. I haven't answered it this year. So this is breaking news, but also I'm trying to stall while I think about it. It does come back to this euphoria, this sense of, of peace through a happiness that you previously thought was unobtainable. Yeah. And it's a really, really magical way to experience the world, even if it's just for a weekend, you know? And this is why this goes back to what we were talking about, about the negativity that surrounds pride, which again, I think is important. We need to hold, we need to hold pride accountable. We can't let it just turn into some Walmart funded nonsense. Wait, but, did you totally sidebar? Did you see the, I forget her name. It was the video that's been going around Instagram where she, she's like corporations during pride. And she's like, hi, gay. And it's like, oh my gosh, we watched yep. that video 95 times. And every time I was like, this is so real. It oh, yeah. is so sad. And it is so real. Oh yeah. And it's just, it, it, in, it there, part of what's so sad about it is there's so many folks and, and businesses that are still trying to do it the right way, you know, yeah. to, to, to create ways to, uh, you know, raise resources and money that go directly to the people that need them most. There are companies and businesses that are trying to do that, mm-hmm. but it's just not the majority in our right. consumer driven capitalist society. It's not the, it's not the, the, the majority of them by a long shot. So we do have to hold pride accountable. But it doesn't take away, I think, what pride really means to me, which is, like I said, it's this, it's the peace that comes after and along with authentic happiness. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's something that I found at pride, quite literally, the first time I experienced it was it was the the, the pride before I came out as trans, I was out as non binary, you know, gender fluid. And I went to pride as this kind of alternate person dressed the way I wanted to dress had the time of my life. I had the door held for me by a man for the first time, which was definitely not the first time because I'm sure a guy had, but in my, it's one of those things that that's the earliest memory of that I have. And that was like a big deal. (laughs) I remember, and it's so small, but, but that's what happens. That's what happens when you're able to reach that level of peaceful euphoria. You get to start to notice kind of like we were saying, the little things that have a big impact. And so, yeah, that's, that's pride. And it's, it's part of what hurts me so much that in-person pride celebrations for the second year in a row largely aren't happening. I know a lot of folks have postponed them into the fall. That's amazing. If they can happen in any way, let them happen. But I just, I so hurt for all of the people and especially the youth that have now had to go on, you know, go two years and, yeah. and not been able to experience anything like that, not even had the opportunity to experience that peace and that euphoria through that, through the medium of pride. And, you know, I, I really hope we never get to a point where we have to like abolish what pride has become and mm-hmm. rebuild it because we're not done building it in the first place. <laughs> that's, right. Yeah. We, and just that's, started, that's, we just got our bricks y'all like, <laughs> yeah, quite literally. And it's, let's finish that work first and just expand it and expand it and expand it and hold on to it, hold on to the reins ourselves, you know, Mm -hmm. from under the rainbow. And we're starting to see little glimpses of that, you know, uh, corporations are being held more accountable. New York and Denver have abolished the cops from their pride celebrations, which is so long coming, but so incredible. So we are seeing that take back. But as somebody who 
in 2017 who did not know who they were, pride was was peace to me and it was happiness to me. Mm. And that is not something that I take lightly. And I don't think it's something that can be lost from not being able to celebrate it because of a pandemic. So, yeah. oh, I we, love that. You answer. know, yeah. Yeah, that's a really beautiful answer. And it's so true. Like just it is it's peace. It's it's just it's the the idea that you can just be. And how beautiful is that? Right. Um, before we play a game, I just have to thank you. I, I, I didn't know parts of your story. I've, of course, like I stalk you on Instagram. So like, I know some of it. However, thank you for teaching me things today. Cause obviously like as like a pansexual woman, I'm still learning about the transgender community. And I just have so much respect for your community and just the way in which you, you live in such a, like, you live in full technicolor and it really is a beautiful, beautiful example of like what life can truly look like. So thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being here. Thank you for all of your words. I adore you. Um, and then I want you to plug yourself, but let's play this game first. Okay. So. Thank you for that's you're very nice. <laughs> thank you. That means a lot. And it's, you know, it's all, it's all just, to, to the end of, of achieving what I was just talking about, yeah. you know, euphoria. truly achieving a, a euphoria and nirvana. I mean, it's, that's it's something that's possible. This, episode. this episode's going to be titled achieving euphoria. Um, I love it. Okay, People so are going to think it's about the uh, HBO show. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Right. <laughs> which watch is a really, which is a really good show though. Yeah. <laughs> which so everyone good. needs to watch. It's so good. Um, okay. So the game is called quick fire. Yes. You have one minute. To answer okay. as many questions as possible, I'm going to give you like yes or no, this or that things. And you have to say the first thing that comes to mind. And I know for your Capricorn brain, you are going to want to explain every answer. You cannot. There is no okay. explanation. Okay. It is first literally thing the that comes to mind. game for me. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Do you need to get up and stretch or anything? Are you good? I, I'm, I'm good to go. I did a workout. We're ready. Okay. Here we go. One okay. minute on the clock. Would you rather see a sunset or a sunrise? Sunset. Favorite food? Spaghetti. Favorite article of clothing? Uh, anything off the shoulder like this. I want all my clothes to be off the shoulder. Ooh, okay, At sassy. least one, if, if I can get both, both. Best vacation you've ever been on? Uh, Tokyo, Japan. If you could get on a plane right now and go anywhere, where would you go? Tokyo, Japan. You're going to a deserted island. You can take three things, three things with you. What are they? I'm going to bank on technology to wrap two into one, which is the entire nine seasons of The Office, a device to play the nine seasons of The Office. I'm just going to call those one. It's like a really long-lasting battery on a computer or something like that, right? Definitely. Um, yes, that's a deep state reference to Desert Island in The Office. You're welcome. Um, I, I, a pen and paper, if that can be one thing. Mm -hmm. oh, gosh, I mean, a roll of duct tape would probably be super useful at some point. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Okay. Favorite book? Uh, the Dead MC Scrolls uh, by Saul Williams. It's a collection of poetry. And last question. Best piece of advice you've ever been given and who gave it to you? Uh, it's a little bit of a cop out, but it's important. Um, everything that my dad ever said to me. I love that. Every, every piece of advice. Couldn't call them all right now. There's a bunch of them. Season food appropriately is a big one. 
Oh, yes, um, very, very big. <laughs> you know, do stuff on Saturday because Sunday is a really cool day to not do anything. That's a that. big one. He did technically not let me go out of the house dressed a certain way one time. Um, but it was it was for a fashion choice because I looked a mess. <laughs> it wasn't a, it wasn't a gender expression thing. I was just it was a, it bad was choice. a low moment. <laughs> so including that advice, actually, I would take that again if I tried to wear that outfit again. Yeah. Um, Great. I love that. Yeah. That's perfect. Uh, and then I just wanted like a little bonus question. What is your favorite under the rainbow charity? Uh, Glisten is pretty huge for me. The Gay and Lesbian Student Education Network. The work that they do specifically in schools and with families mm. um, of students, uh, you know, queer students. Um, and then also what they do with teachers um, and, and administrators and educators. That's awesome. They they need to run the world <laughs> or at least the educational sector of it because they're incredible. So yeah, Glisten, G-L-S-E-N. I love that. Okay. So if I'm out there and I want to connect with you and I want to learn more about Addison, where do we find you? Um, you really, you pri- primarily and almost exclusively on Instagram, I am at the axiom of Addison because it's a unwritten rule as a trans girl. You're not allowed to have an easy to access or understand handle. Um, and it has to be, it, it either has to like rhyme or have alliteration or <laughs> I, I mean, I'm serious. I'm serious. It's so typical. We're all such bad cliches of ourselves. Oh, I love that. Like, and I love all of these girls so much, but they, it's you. Yeah. You're totally right. There is like, there's a rhyme or it's an alliterative. You're right. Yeah. At the, like, I'm not going to just, I want to just shout them all out, but I don't want to like put anybody on blast, but it's, it's incredible. There, the, we, we always have something. And so mine is at the axiom of Addison. Um, Please although I do forward. think Instagram is kind of making this shift to more, uh, person's names forward rather than handles. It seems with like their messaging and stuff. Yeah. Um, my full name though is on my profile. Um, if you need to differentiate it, which is Addison Philip Darrow. Um, and that's me. That's where I'm at. It's a bunch of writing and pictures of food. Please go follow her. She's incredible. The outfits. It's just, it is a whole vibe over there on the axiom of Addison. And I just, again, thank you so much for being here today. And I just hope my pleasure. Thank you. I, I, if I can, Real quick on that on that note, if anybody's listening to this and and you know goes back to that part of the conversation about like you know not necessarily understanding um, what it means to be trans or how we go through the world, like please reach out. You know we have this conversation that it's not on the community to do the work to save themselves um, and to promote themselves, and it's true. Um, but I just want to make that clear that I'm opening myself up as a resource for that. If you don't understand how you interact with trans people in the world. Holler. I love that. I, t- I say the same thing about the lesbian and pansexual community. I said, I'm not the one that's going to tell you to like go mainly because I'm a Sagittarius. And if anybody's going to give you information, it's going to be me. <laughs> so it's true. Yeah. yeah. Clearly, I like to talk. Like, um, I would like to give you my version of it. And then you can go research all you want, but like come yeah. to me first. <laughs> yeah. And if you're one of those people that doesn't want to have that conversation yet and you want to go watch documentaries and read books, also still holler because there's a lot of you know, there's a lot of gray area out there when it comes to multimedia and, you know, stuff that was produced in 2005 
was great in 2005. But even if it's done with the intention of supporting the trans community, there's a lot of um, information and resources that have evolved since then. Totally. Um, so yeah, just just reach out. I love because like we don't we're yeah. not a threat. We don't bite. I'm nice. Yeah, she is. She's real nice. <laughs> All right, my friend. Well, have a beautiful day, and thank you again. And I just adore you. Thank you so much for creating this platform and having me. I'm I'm flattered. Yay! See you soon. Bye. Addison is such a gem. She really is. She's just so good. And I love her story. I think it's, it rings true. I can, although in the, you know, in the episode we talked about, like, I don't know what it means to be transgender. I've never experienced that journey. Although I do understand the journey of growing up thinking one way, thinking you are one way. And then as time goes on, you kind of evolve into a higher version of yourself and you kind of look back at moments and go, wow, yeah, that made sense. That actually made a lot of sense. Uh, so I just really, I loved that conversation. I hope you did too. Uh, take her up on her offer though. If you still have more questions and you want to know more, go see her at the Axiom of Addison on Instagram. Uh, the, if you want to see how that is spelled, it's in the show notes of our episodes as well. Uh, but go ahead and, and talk to her, you know, she's an open book and she really is a really genuine soul who will answer your questions. So I hope that you uh, take her up on the offer as, you know, the offer, that that same offer stands with me as well. If you have questions about the LGBTIA plus community that you'd like to know more about, you can always, 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 always uh, reach out to me. I am at Danielle underscore on the daily. The podcast is at on the daily pod. Obviously this month is all about pride episodes. So we're just kind of spreading the humanity and the love of pride and, uh, I'm giving you some some awesome humans from my network to help me do that. So I'm hoping that you're enjoying it as much as I am. Uh, we will be back on Friday with another Unplugged episode. Uh, unplugged episodes on Friday are with me. Tuesday episodes are with a guest. And you can find any single one that resonates with you and jump in. So if it is your first time and that was your first episode, welcome. Welcome to the family. And I can't wait for you to hear more. So go ahead, go subscribe. If you use Apple Podcasts, that is our favorite. We do love an Apple Podcast moment because it's where we get all of our metrics as podcasters. So if you are listening to this, like go and subscribe. Give us a five-star rating if you feel so inclined and write us a review. We love hearing from you. Slide into our DMs on Instagram. Uh, we just love the interaction and I would love to know what you want to hear more of, guests that you need to hear from, uh, topics that you want us to cover, all of the things. So go check it out and I hope that wherever you are, you are having the day that you need and we will see you on Friday. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.